Take just a second. I'm going to give you an assignment. I want you to take out a piece of paper or something to write on, connect card, uh, phone, whatever you want to write on. Jot something down. I'm not going to have you jot down what I say. I want you to jot down something that comes to your mind. We're, we're concluding a series today called I'm Triggered, and I want you to write down something in which you get triggered. This triggers you. You're having a hard time figuring this one out. This triggers you. You're having a difficult time working through this one. This continues to trigger you, and I just want you to jot it down. 30 seconds on the clock, go. And if you're looking at me and I'm looking at you, that means you're not writing. (laughs) Write it down. Just what can it hurt? Write it down. You don't have to write the person's name that's sitting next to you. Just write down down the scenario. Just write it down. Just jot it. What is it that triggers you? What triggers you? Something sets you off. Either sets you off to anger or sets you off to fear or sets you off to uh, sadness. What is it that that triggers you? Sets you off to to your addictive behavior? It triggers you. When that happens, then you just turn to the bottle or you turn to rage or whatever it is. All right, some of you uh, probably will need two or three more sheets of paper. I can see that. Or some of your thumbs are going super fast on your phone. You're like, I see smoke coming up from it. You, all right, go ahead and finish. This is your journal time. Write it down. Journal it, journal it out. Luke chapter 10. We're going to take a look at Luke chapter 10, one familiar story. Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse number 25. This is known as the parable, uh, the story that Jesus used. It's called of the Good Samaritan. How many of you know that, that when Jesus speaks, he speaks in layers? He speaks in uh, volumes, and within the volumes are chapters, and, and, um, and so he's not just giving one message through this, he's giving multiple messages through this, and if you look deep into God's word, you can discover the, the, another meaning, another dimension of what he was saying, and today I'm going to introduce that to you as we conclude this series called I'm Triggered, Luke chapter 10, beginning of verse number 25. On one occasion... An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? By the way, I am always reading from the NIV, but it's the older version of the NIV. I've had it for many years. We put the NIV on the screen, but I've noticed over the last few months that sometimes the wording is a little bit differently. It's the more modern, updated version of the NIV. I'm still reading from mine, same Bible, just a little bit different uh, through translation. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. Seems like that could be the end of the story. However, the guy decides, if you look at the next verse, he says, It says, but he wanted to justify himself. Y'all ever wanted to justify yourself before? You ever wanted to justify your sick self before? You ever wanted just to justify your behavior, your attitude, your thinking? You justify your behavior. And so this guy is, is justifying himself. By the way, when you justify yourself to Jesus, you justify yourself to God, you're going to lose every time, right? The wisdom of God is found in his word. Jesus, who was the fully the, the son of God and the son of man, was speaking truth to this guy, a leader, and Jesus speaks the truth. The guy answers the question. The question is answered correctly. Jesus said, you've answered correctly. And then the guy still has something inside of him. And he tries to justify himself. Who is my neighbor? And who is, and just who is my neighbor, Jesus? It's a sassy question. In his reply, by the way, if I was Jesus, I'd have been triggered, right? Just told you the truth. Just told you what, what you needed to hear. Now you just need to do it. You answered the question. You answered it correctly. Now you want to add something on because you want to justify your sorry state, right? 
And so it might have triggered me, but Jesus doesn't get triggered. Instead, Jesus replied in a story. He said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, so he's naked. They beat him, so he's bleeding. And they went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came down, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he was traveling, uh, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey. And he took him to an inn and took care of him. I think that's a pretty nice thing to do. The next day, wait a minute, that means he spent the night with this guy. The next day, he took out two silver coins, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law, (laughs) I think that's interesting, he's the expert. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. We're going to get back to the minute uh, that in just a second. It would be a shame if we were to spend seven weeks teaching on a subject. By the way, this is a subject that is, is, this isn't a marriage series. This this isn't a a single series. This isn't a a parenting series. This isn't a... um, uh, Golden Years series. Uh, this is, uh, this is a, a all of the above series because some of those series messages don't apply to a certain sect of people, right? Certain group of people. But triggers, now triggers apply to everybody. It'll help you in a marriage. It'll help you in your relationships. It'll help you in work. It'll help you in your parenting. It'll help you in every way because we know that you are triggered by things in your life. And so we discovered in this series several things. We discovered that Moses was triggered and the go-to for his trigger was anger. He had this built-up rage, this pent-up rage inside of him that would come out at the most inopportune times, and it robbed him of his blessing. Martha, and by the way, doesn't mean he wasn't used by God. It doesn't mean he wasn't a mighty man of God. It doesn't mean that God didn't eventually take him into the promised land because he did. It just means that he missed out on his blessing. And if we can correct those things, learning through the characters in the word of God without being disrespectful, we can change. Mary and Martha, they were in the same house as Jesus. I mean, the Son of God is in the house, and they were still triggered, even in his presence. Naaman was triggered. He was triggered. Remember, he was a great man. Everybody around him knew him as a great man. Nobody thought ill of him, except he had one little problem. That was he had a skin disease, and what triggered him was the way that he was told that he was going to be healed, because after all, I am a great man. And so pride can get in the way and cause us to become triggered in all different kinds of ways in our lives. Paul, Paul was a triggered man. Paul, before he got saved, and then after he got saved, his personality didn't change immediately. He was being transformed. Some of y'all understand what that's like. You're being transformed. It's not always this. Sometimes it's this. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes? Right? Okay, so Paul was, Paul was triggered. And he learned in the journey how to turn the triggers that were negative triggers into a positive outcome. And we learned all kind of ways about how to do that through the life of Paul, and I encourage you to go back and listen to those. I, uh, I am not in any way trying to be uh, boastful except on the Lord Jesus Christ and upon um, his word and upon the Holy Spirit. But this series 
has probably been for me the most difficult and yet the most rewarding and the most impacting and the most hopefully life-changing for me that I've done in years and years and years and years. So if you haven't been at every one of them, dial in and listen online, newlifeca.church, and hopefully you can get, get involved in those. Uh, Jesus was in the boat with the disciples, and we learned in week number five as they were going to, Jesus told them, we're going to the other side of the lake, but they didn't believe the truth of what Jesus said. And because they didn't believe the truth of what Jesus said, when the wind and the waves come, and the wind and the waves are going to come in your life, when they come, you're going to get triggered. And when you get triggered, you've got to choose. Am I going to believe the truth of the word that Jesus has spoken to me, or am I going to believe the lies in my own lie-based emotions? And we talked about the truth-based emotions, lie-based emotions. What are you going to believe? You're going to believe the truth about who you are? You're going to believe a lie about who you are? And we talked about last week about how we do healthy confrontation. You have to be able to confront people in a healthy way. And uh, last week I gave you kind of a four-step process because we all like systems and processes and things we can understand. The first thing we talked about was you gotta slow down. You're gonna confront somebody, slow down. How many of y'all had to confront, anybody have to confront somebody this week? Uh, Somebody emailed me earlier this week and said, I had to confront somebody and uh, thank you for giving me, although I didn't do it successfully, I tried, right? And so we're, we're a process of learning. You gotta confront people. Slow down. How do I slow down? We said, you gotta think. Anybody, uh, anybody think about thinking this week? So when you think, you got, we said, what does that mean? That means you gotta ask yourself very quickly before you do the confrontation, before you decide if this is the line in the sand, this is the hill to die on, this is the moment of truth. Because some of y'all like live on hills. Every hill is a hill to die on. And that's a, that's a terrible, lonely way to live. So you got to decide. I'm going to think about it. Is what I'm fixing to say, that's my, that's my southern friend's roots coming out in me, but just so you can hear that, is what I'm preparing to say, is it true? Is it true? Is what I'm going to say the truth, or is it just my emotion speaking? Is it just my, my adrenaline kind of coming through? Is what, is what I'm going to say, is it helpful? Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspirational? Is it somehow going to build them up or is it going to just tear them down so that I'll feel better? Um, is it, is it uh, necessary? Do I even need to say it? And is it kind? If you, if you ask yourself those questions about think, that'll help you slow down a little bit. Then after you slow down, I said, you better pray. And you can't leave that one out. You better pray. God, I need your help with this one. This is too big for me because I'm fixing to punch him in the throat. And you, I know, I think that I know that that's the wrong thing to do. So I need your help with this one, God, because I'm triggered. And, and I'm putting it out there and I'm asking you as I'm processing, trying to, is this the confrontation I'm supposed to make? And you listen to the Holy Spirit <coughs> and he'll help you. And then you pray during and then pray after. Then if you enter the, con- the confrontation, if you have to, and you've gone through that process of slowing down and thinking and praying, Then we said the first thing you should do is ask questions. And I thought about this one. I think some of y'all might have taken me out of context. A question to ask somebody when you're going to confront them is, are you wanting me to beat the thunder out of you right now? That's probably not a good question, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. That's that's a confrontational question. Instead, it should be, help me understand what you just said. Would you mind using different words and telling me what you just said? Because I feel like you're saying something probably differently than what you're saying. It's, it's asking questions for, that will help you clarify exactly where they're coming from. And then don't let it get derailed. Deal directly with the conflict. All right, so that's what we talked about in the first six weeks. And so today, I just want to ask you four questions in the 20 minutes that have remaining with you. Question number one, you'll find these on your note sheets. You should have got that when you came in. There's still note sheets back there on that little round table. If you want to go pick one up, no worries. You can always, you can always go grab one or whatever you got to do. Number one, how do my triggers start? How do my triggers start? How do my triggers start? Well, 
I'm at, you should know this at this juncture, but we're kind of reviewing with this first question. There are really numerous ways we can be triggered, but there are really two primary ways that most people become triggered. Now, I'm talking about kind of like lower level triggers that kind of set us off, and then we're on edge all day long until somebody does something, and then we just kind of go off, and we're asking, where did that come from? Well, it's probably because we were triggered at a lower level earlier in our day, and we were carrying that without, de- anybody know what I'm talking about, without dealing with it, and now we're going to deal with it because we're in a series that says we got to deal with it. And so one of the first ways being triggered often starts with one of two things, other people's requests, and you can go ahead and fill it in too, other people's actions. Let's talk about their requests. That, some, let me give you some scenarios. Somebody contacts you at work and says, hey, that meeting we've been preparing for, for this afternoon, that meeting is, is changed. And uh, you just get that email in your inbox. Now you're upset. Now you're triggered because you had your afternoon all scheduled around that meeting and you had to move some things and, and you had to, you had to arrange for childcare a little bit later because that meeting was gonna take place and now you plan on ordering Chinese tonight and you don't have the groceries to have dinner because your life kind of, so now you think, can't they see that this is causing me more work and triggered? It might not be a huge trigger, but it's enough to trigger you that you can carry that garbage home with you as well. At home. You say, you mean your spouse says to you, do you mind, you mind cleaning up after dinner? I got some things to do. And you find yourself saying, sure. But you don't have a clue why you said sure. Because you're thinking to yourself, well, I got things to do too. What in the world do they think of? What do they think I just sit around and eat bonbons all day? Do they think I have nothing else to do? I don't have anything to do tonight. <laughs> and you find yourself thinking, do they even care about me at all? Triggered. And you're triggered. And you said yes. You said sure, but you're you're, you're triggered. Maybe at church. Let's talk about a church one. Um, You're you're, uh, an outreach. Let's say like our Easter outreach that we do every year is a giant outreach or any outreach that we have, a ministry that we do on or off campus. And and one of the leaders calls you and says, hey, would you you help us with this outreach? And you say, yeah, I'll help you with outreach, sure. And so you, you get the instructions and the details and you're ready for the game day and you show up game day and you're doing the, the outreach or whatever it is and you find yourself increasingly getting upset throughout the event because you realize uh, I'm one of just a few people from the church that actually is working at this thing. Everybody else that's showing up from the church is just enjoying the event. Uh, they're a product of my work and labor and why didn't they always call on me and why am I the one? And you're triggered. You see how that works. So requests from other people, or we could call them demands from other people, can trigger us. But the second thing are the actions of other people. And maybe the inactions of other people can trigger us as well. Things they don't do that we wish they would have done can trigger us. At work, you get upset because you called a client and the client hasn't called you back. You called them last week. You've got some something for them or news for them and you just need them to, you need them, you've got a to-do list and it's still going and it's predicated upon the fact that they haven't called you back. And now it's the next week and you find yourself thinking about it and you're like, how disrespectful is that? The next time they need my attention, I'm gonna put them at the bottom of, <sighs> triggered, or maybe at home. You got your, you done did get your nails done, right? Or, or you got some new shoes or you, or you got a new outfit or you got your hair did and you come, come downstairs thinking your children will be like, oh, you are beautiful, mommy. And your husband will go, hubba hubba, baby. And you get nothing. You get nothing, nothing. Nobody notices anything. And you're thinking to yourself, how rude. 
that they wouldn't even notice that I went to all this trouble to look good and look nice, and you're triggered now. How about, how about you're a Christian and uh, pastors challenge you to let your light so shine before men that they can see your good deeds and glorify your Father which is in heaven, Matthew chapter five. And so you find yourself saying, okay, I'm getting on Facebook today and I'm gonna for the first time post a Christian post. Now you try to make it look like your Christian post but really you just copy and paste it somebody else's Christian post. But you put the picture up or you put the post up and you sit back and you wait and you're like, everybody's gonna be encouraged now. And uh, a few hours go by, a day goes by, two days go by, and you didn't get one, not one like. In fact, you got one from your cousin Eddie. You got one eye roll emoji. That's all you got. But nobody else commented. You think if that's what Christians are like, and you find yourself triggered. I would call these low-level triggers. But low-level triggers will bring about a bad day. So the things we know about triggers is triggers, they can't be avoided, guys. And they happen to everyone. So we all have this in common. We get triggered. Somebody says, well, I don't get mad. You probably don't get mad. But your reaction to your trigger is different than anger. And the primary one that most people have is anger. But yours is deeper and different than that. Yours is uh, a long-term memory. That's your response to your trigger. Or yours is deep sadness. Or you're just going to withdraw altogether. And that's a reaction. Triggers happen. The Bible has a lot to say. Thirdly, the Bible has a lot to say about your sorry triggered state. It has a lot to say about it. And it's possible, number four, to flip the script, to turn your triggers from negative triggers into positive triggers. And then finally, in order to do so, a prerequisite is we have to come to the place that we know who we are in Jesus. Because if you don't know your identity in Christ, your triggers are going to keep happening so much, so, so very much. Um, I got a gift for you. Anthony, thank you for passing out these gifts. I just want you to take this as a reminder of this series, and I'd like you to post this somewhere, if you would, please. And really, what, what, it, what it, it says, I'm triggered, which has been our theme picture. But today, I, I want you to, I want to take a familiar, you're hearing the giggles. I want to take a familiar thing that we all use, which is a Q-tip. And we, what we do is we use a Q-tip to help us hear better because apparently we're not hearing very well and we clean that old ugly garbage out of there. And so we're taking the Q-tip and uh, we're helping it to remind us about how we Q-tip, quit taking it personally. How many of y'all know that every one of these scenarios I just talked to you about was somebody took something personally? You didn't have, listen, you got your nails did, hopefully it made you feel good about yourself, but you got your nails did so that somebody else in your family or outside of your family can recognize you and say how beautiful you are, then you got your nails did for the wrong reason. See, it should just make you feel good. But if you're waiting for somebody, you're taking it personally is what you're doing. Maybe they just didn't notice. Maybe they got other things in their minds. Sounds like it might be a little bit dis disappointing to you, but it doesn't, you don't have to take it personally. You don't have to get triggered. Now, you know, the boss, boss is contacting you and saying, hey, listen, I, I need, I need, we need to change the, the, the meeting. Everything's changed. He doesn't have to give you a reason why. He's called the boss. And the boss can change it if the boss wants to change it. It could be the boss, yes, decided he's got a, somebody invited him to an earlier tea time, but more than likely, he's changing it because it has something to do with the systems in place, and this was the lesser of two. You, don't, you just can't jump to conclusions. When you jump to conclusions, you take it personally. It's all about you and your schedule and your... Listen, we got to figure out a way to quit taking it 
personally. So here's what your assignment is. Take this little cutesy thing, and I just got to give applause to, uh, to Brian. Pastor Brian is our graphics guy here. He designed this thing, and then to Michelle, she assembled hundreds of these things by gluing these on. She didn't know when she took the job, she'd be doing the kindergarten kind of glue stick thing, but she did it for us, and so we appreciate her. But this is just a reminder. Put it somewhere that you'll see it. Put it somewhere where you easily get triggered, where you can remind yourself that I don't have to take things personally. And today, you're gonna be introduced to a few tools and to a system that can help you. Listen, nothing's more disappointing than preaching a series and seeing people's eyes light up like this is really relative to my life. Seeing people really lean forward a little bit and say, this is something that could help me. Seeing people get inspiration but leaving without transformation. And oftentimes, the, a message is really good at inspiration, but systems in your life are really good at transformation. And that's why we're, we have systems in place here at New Life, and we're developing more systems all the time to help you. What do I mean by systems? Groups would be a good system. Counseling would be a good system. Something to help you ingrain this and get it to help you be transformed. Not something you'll be like when I, when I do our annual business meeting in January and I review at our State of the Church address all the series that we preach, and you'll be like, ah, we did do that, didn't we? And that'll be the next time you'll think about it after November the 11th. That's not what we want. We want this to be ingrained as a part of you so it can help you. So we're gonna help you with some systems, I believe so today, or at least introduce you to them. First, second question to keep this thing going is, how do I Q-tip? <laughs> how do I quit taking it personally? And there's a one-word answer to this question, and you better write it down in notes because this is so important. The one-word answer to how do I quit taking it personally is boundaries. You have to have healthy boundaries in your life. If you're going to quit taking it personally and quit getting triggered so easily, it comes down to boundaries. When we have a healthy understanding of boundaries and live according to that understanding of boundaries, our chances of getting triggered and taking things personally dramatically decrease. So for those of you that need a good refresher, reminder, or those of you that need introduced to what boundaries really are, we're talking about healthy boundaries. In a physical world, in our physical world, boundaries are around your property line, uh, your home. Whether you live in an apartment, or you rent a room, or you uh, live in a mobile home, or you have a house that you rent, or a house that you own, I think I've covered about all of them, there are boundaries around each one of those. In this case, I'm going to use a traditional house to help us understand that. The boundaries around a home can be one of many things. The invisible property line that's there, it could be marked by a fence, it could be marked by a um, wall, which we have on the back of our property because we back up against the 120, our house does, so there's this big concrete. Some of y'all have that, right? So there's a wall, and then on either side, we have a fence that is shared with our neighbors, right? And then up front, the boundary that we would have would be like the curb, right, or the sidewalk, and then after that becomes our, becomes our we don't have a fence necessarily up front, but it's our boundary line. Some people even have a moat around their property because that's how serious they are about, about their boundaries. They all communicate the same thing. Boundaries communicate the same thing. This is where my property begins, and this is where my property ends. At our house, 
we've, we have a new neighbor uh, to, to one side of us, um, and he came over and talked to me, and he said, I want you to know that when springtime comes around, uh, the yard will be different. He was embarrassed that it's dirt on that side, but my yard looks really nice. I can't take credit for it. We have a great guy who comes and does, he and his family show up every Thursday and take care of our yard, and I don't really do anything. As long as I don't do anything, it'll probably still look nice. If I start to do something, then I'll just ruin the whole thing. But, but I'm, he said, I want you to know that we're gonna have a nice yard if you just give me some time. And I'm like, that's cool, it's no problem. Right now it looks great because my yard looks even better, right? Does that make sense? But, but I know where our boundary is because that's where my yard care stops, and that's where his yard care, or lack thereof from the previous owner, starts, right? So there's, there's like an identification there. Um, at my house, I know that this boundary, no matter which one it is, whether it be the wall, the fence, the sidewalk, I know that this property lines, these boundaries, I am responsible legally for what takes place on my property. Why? Because I hold the deed to the property. Well, that's not true, John. I don't owe the deed. To, the bank owes, owns the deed to the property, but in 29 and a half years, I will own the deed to that property. Does that make sense, right? Right, okay, so just for argument's sake right now, we, we have the deed to that property, right? It's, it's, it's in our name. Should we just put it that way, right? Well, here's what I know. In the spiritual world, or maybe we should say in the relational world, where we all get in trouble, we all get in trouble with our triggers, boundaries are harder to see, but they're still there, and you're responsible for your property, you're responsible for what's inside the property lines. Listen, but so many people have given the deed of their property, have forfeited the right to the deed of their property by letting other people control your emotions through triggering you. You're giving it away. And we don't want you to give it away anymore. We want you to be in control, in charge. Let me illustrate this book I'm going to introduce you to in just a few minutes ago, there's a story in here about the story we just read, but it reframes it. So I don't like reading to you in church, but I'm going to read to you for just a second. Um, this is about uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan found in Luke chapter 10 that we just read. So he says, we're going to depart with the familiar story, but we're going to take off from where it was, look after him, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any expenses you might have. So he says to the innkeeper, after he's been taking care of him overnight, a guy he didn't even know his name, and he's, he's tended to his wounds, probably didn't get much sleep that night. He says to the innkeeper, here's some money. I'll get, pay you the rest when I get, here's a few hundred dollars. I'll pay you the rest when I get back. Whatever it costs, you take care of him, and we'll square up when I get back. So that's where we're at in the story. And for illustration purposes, this book goes on and says, suppose the injured man wakes up at this point in the story and says, What? You're leaving? Yes, I am. I have, I have some business to attend to in Jericho, the Samaritan replies. Well, don't you think you're being selfish? I'm in pretty bad shape here. I'm gonna need someone to talk to. How is Jesus gonna use you as an example if you leave? You aren't even acting like a Christian, abandoning me like this in my time of need. Anybody ever heard anything like this before in your own life? Sure you have. Whatever happened to deny yourself, huh, Christian? Hmm. The Samaritan says, why? I guess you're right. So he caved to the guilt trip, right? I guess you're right. That would be uncaring of me to leave you here alone. I should do more. I'll postpone my trip for just a few days. So he stays with the man for about three days, talking to him, making sure he's happy, making sure he's content. On the afternoon of the third day, 
there's a knock at the door and a messenger comes in. He hands the Samaritan a message from his business contacts in Jericho and it says, waited as long as we could, have decided to sell the camels to another party. Our next herd will be here in six months. How could you do this to me? The Samaritan says to the guy that's in the bed that's trying to get better. How could you do it to me? He screams at the recovering man, waving the message in the air. Look at what you've done now. You've caused me to lose these camels that I've needed for my business. You caused me to forfeit the fleet of trucks that I needed to deliver the contract I have for Amazon Prime. Now I can't deliver my goods. This may, this may even put me out of business. How could you do this to me? <laughs> so now the Samaritan, who is trying to do a good job, or do a good deed, which is the primary purpose of the whole story, is that we should be caring enough to do good deeds. But God loves us so much that Jesus injected into this story a teaching on healthy boundaries because if we try to help people without healthy boundaries, what's gonna happen is we're gonna become triggered and we're gonna become sinful ourselves. So you have to have healthy boundaries in your life. Boundaries really keep the good in and keep the bad out. But sometimes we have the bad in and the good is out. That's why on your boundaries, it's called a fence for now, there's always a gate. Because you have to be able to let the bad out and usher in the good as well. A good illustration for this is Jesus when he said in Revelation chapter three, verse number 20. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. He's standing at your property and he's knocking. He says, if you hear my voice and you open the door and you open the door, I'm not gonna bust in. I'm not gonna come in and say, what's in the fridge, baby? Even though he owns the fridge and everything in it, even though he owns the oxygen within your house, even though he's the one who spoke into existence the earth on which your home is built, he actually owns it all, but he's gonna stand at the door and knock. And if you'll let me in, if you'll open the door, I'll come in and I'll eat with you, but more than that, you'll be able to eat with me. See, Jesus is all through the Bible. I'm, I'm amazed. I'm amazed at how many boundaries are taught to us. And so Jesus is illustrating that boundaries are healthy for us. So, so what falls within our boundaries? Well, I've, I'm running out of time, so I'm gonna go through these very quickly. In other words, what do you have the deed to? What's in your yard? We're not talking about a physical house. What's really in there? What do you have control over? What is it that you, you've got the deed to? Number one, your feelings. How you feel is how you feel, and nobody made you feel how you feel. Quit saying that. Take it out of your vernacular. Your vocabulary has to change. Nobody can make you feel any way. I know that sounds kind of trite, but listen, either you have pride and ownership or you hate the place you live. And if you hate the place you live, you're probably gonna bust down the door of other people's places because you don't like your place very much at all. And so now you're gonna be one that's gonna cross other people's boundaries without being invited. You ever had somebody pop on by? Just pop on by? When I was a kid, that was the thing you did in Iowa. You just popped on by to see people. Well, that's kind of, kind of rude. My parents, my, it's not rude in the, maybe in that generation, but my parents were not Christians. And I heard my, my mom look out the window as 
so-and-so pulled up, right? Um, and I heard her say, oh, beep, so-and-so's here, beep, 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 right? Uh, make the beep, 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 coffee. That's what, my, that's what I was raised in. And then when they walk in the door, they open up, hi, come on in, coffee's on. And I'm thinking, what just happened here? No healthy boundaries. We have to have healthy boundaries, or we're gonna teach our children to have unhealthy boundaries. Hmm. And then you raise a bunch of kids that don't know how to say no. Your feelings are yours. Values are yours. That's number two. What we value is what we love. Some people really love their property, so they take care of it. They mow their lawn, they paint the house, they trim the weeds, they mop the floors, they clean the windows, right? They, they uh, upgrade it as necessary because they take care, they, they value it. They even maybe get a security system or put some locks on the doors because they wanna secure their property. Because if your property is secure and maintained and cared for, you're gonna invite people into your property. Take the physical and compare it to the spiritual. The limits, limits are also, that's the third thing, write it down, because this is probably one of the most important ones. Limits are in your boundaries. You set your own limits, and this is where it goes wrong. Um, if uh, set limits on other people, that's in your boundaries, and setting limits on yourself, that's within your boundaries. Your property's usage is up to you and what you can handle. Um, let me give you a physical illustration, and then I'll give you a practical illustration. Uh, you want a swimming pool, and you want to put a swimming pool. You're trying to decide, did we put a swimming pool in our, in our backyard or did we not put a swimming pool in our backyard? Well, you've got to make some decisions. The limits are up to you. Can you afford it? Is it something that you, you uh, are, are willing to take care of? Are you willing to go out there twice a day and do this? This looks therapeutic, but this is not therapeutic. I'm just going to tell you, right? So are you willing to keep the thing clean? Are you willing to pay somebody to hire to keep it clean? How about making sure the chemicals are balanced so nobody gets a skin burn? How about are you willing to uh, put a cover on it or put a fence around it? Because you've got, now got liability. What if, somebody, what if a grandchild or a child falls in and drowns? You've got all these things to think about. And do you want to sacrifice that much of your backyard? You have to ask yourself, it, the limits are up to you. There, you all know that. You weigh the pros and the cons, and you decide as a family or as, a, as, a, as a, you know, the people who own the house, the limits are up to you. In the spiritual world, the limits are up to you as well. You can decide what you want to do. Uh, somebody says, hey, um, hey, Troy, uh, can, would you going to have time to have coffee? Sure, absolutely. I'd love to have coffee. Uh, what time are you thinking? Uh, how about 2 o'clock? No problem. I've got from 2, and I'm going to have to leave about 3.15. Sound good? Sounds good. Boom. That's a healthy boundary, right? So now I have an ending time. So I'm not going to hurt your feelings when I'm like, dude, I got to rush off. And you're like, dude, we just sat down. No, I told you at the beginning that the boundary is at 3.15, I'm ready to go. I've got another thing to do. And I don't even have to tell you what that other thing is because that's also a healthy boundary. It's called nunya. Does that make sense? Yes? And people who don't have healthy boundaries get really triggered by people who do have healthy boundaries because I don't owe you an explanation. And guess what? You don't owe me an explanation either. Here's a hard word we've got to teach our children how to say, especially our daughters, that the word is no. You know where I'm going with that, don't you? You don't give them an opportunity to say no, then they're never going to learn how to say no. Some of you were never taught how to say no. It's time to change that. It's time to change that. Your stuff is the, is the next one. Your stuff is within your boundaries. I mean, your resources. I mean, the, the furniture in the home, the appliances in the home, the clothes, the cars, the tools, the collectibles. All that stuff is within your boundary. All that stuff is yours. I mean, it's, it's yours, but it doesn't belong to you, <laughs> right? It's yours to steward, but it belongs to God. God gave it to you. He gave you the resources, gave you the job, gave you the talent, gave you the health, gave you the strength, gave you the breath. He gave you the body. 
It's his, but he's saying, you steward this. I'm trusting it to you. You're gonna use it for my glory, but it's still yours. And so we got the parable of the parable of the talents. How do you use your stuff? And that's in Matthew chapter 25. Our thoughts are another thing that we steward. The thoughts are yours. What do you think about? Whatsoever man thinketh, he is. So what we think about are thoughts that we process. Um, We've got to own our thoughts. Nobody put that thought in your mind. It might have reminded you of something, but now you've got a choice. Am I going to, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number five, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. We make it obedient to Christ. In other words, I own my thoughts. I'm responsible for my thoughts. Those are within my boundaries. What I think about is up to me. And if you find yourself thinking about stuff that's causing you to be triggered, then you gotta start taking that thought captive. That's up to you. That's within your boundary. The final thing is love. What you love is within your boundary. How should we love? It says in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, uh, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So love is in there. So I'm gonna finish with this question, question number four, and I know I'm over a few minutes, but we're concluding a big series, so hang with me, please. These things fall within our boundaries. They fall within, the things I just said fall within our property. And we're gonna be held accountable for how we use the talents, the stuff within our property, according to God and his word. So, number four, is it possible that you react to the triggers in your life because you don't have healthy boundaries to respond in the proper way? Now, we've done a lot of preaching over this series, and I like getting your goosebumps going. I like getting excited and energized, but I'm asking you some hard questions today that we're going to bring about life change in you. Do you wanna stay the same way or do you wanna be changed? I want to experience what it's like to go from glory to glory. I wanna experience what it's like to go from, be renewed, be, be transformed by the renewing of my, of my mind. I really want that to happen. So maybe you're not changing as fast as you wanted to. And seven weeks ago, you came to the altar and you made a decision. And you said, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna allow myself to be triggered anymore. I'm taking control of this. Moses lost his blessing and we had an altar call and we all confessed to God. And I believe it was true. And we had another altar call, another altar call, and we had, we had response times to these things. And I think you're saying, I'm really trying. I mean, I'm, I'm even trying to rely upon the Lord, but I'm really trying at this, but I just, I don't feel like I'm, I'm getting anywhere. Then, then I think, I think a really good system for you to uh, get in your life would be to study this book that I, just, that I just read from, this boundaries book. And if you need to take a picture of that, you need to jot it down on your phone, you need to order it, I think you can get them for really inexpensive on Amazon. I just challenge you, take a step to getting healthier in your life. Establish some boundaries. What a great devotional to do every, every morning or every evening, to read a page or read a couple of pages or find a chapter that's applicable to you in it. I'm telling you, we're hoping to be able to figure out a way that we can help you in develop some systems of healthy boundaries. So look for that, hopefully in the future here at New Life Church. But we wanna help you develop something in your life. I'm telling you guys, this, this is a game, it's not the book. There's gotta be, I'm, Keely, am I exaggerating by saying maybe hundreds of scriptures in that book? Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, it's, it's the word of God unfolded for us and helping us understand how healthy boundaries really are.
So here's the final thing that I want to touch on uh, for you in this entire series. I want to, we are responsible to others, but we're responsible for ourselves. We're responsible to others, and we're responsible for ourselves. There's a couple of scriptures I want to read to you from Galatians. And uh, I'll just put them up the screen one at a time. The first one is Galatians chapter 6, verse number 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now look just three verses later at verse number 5. For each one should carry their own load. What? Seems to me that that is contradicting itself. Let's read it again. We'll do it a couple times so you all stay with me. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 2. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Okay, so I'm supposed to carry Trinity's burdens. Then it says in verse number five, for each one should carry their own load. Well, you're supposed to carry your own load, Trin. What? The Bible contradicts itself. Let's see it again. Galatians chapter six, verse number two. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So if you underline in your Bible, I want you to underline the word burdens. Now go to chapter six, verse number five. For each one should carry their own Load, And if you underline in your Bible, I'd like you to underline the word load. When I did some studying about this, I came to understand that the word burdens in the Greek actually means, Greek is the language that this was originally written in, actually means excessive burdens. This one is equated with the visual of a, like a giant, like boulder. So go to, Verse number two again, please. Carry each other's burdens, each other's boulders. If you, if you got a boulder, you're gonna get crushed. We should help each other carry those, those burdens. But go to verse number five again, please. For each one should carry their own load and load actually in the direct translation um, actually means the word cargo. And so in this case, we're gonna use as a visual backpack. So it's either you're either carrying boulders or backpacks, one of the two, and, and, and it says if you're, you should carry your own backpack, <laughs> that's a healthy boundary. You carry your own backpack, but if you've got a boulder, then we need to help you carry your boulder. But here's where problems arise. When we act as if other people's Boulders are actually a backpack. And we, we treat them as though, well, come on, man, you got this. What's the problem? Just hang in there. Things will turn around. You'll be fine. And we say these things, but we're supposed to use our property and open up the gate to our property line and allow people in or go out to them when they're suffering under the tremendous weight of the boulder in their life. But problems arise when we, when we call a boulder a backpack, but problems also arise when we act as if people's backpacks are actually boulders. You see, you're supposed to carry your own load. Pick up your cross daily and follow me, Jesus says. Don't ask your neighbor, to, don't ask your mommy, don't ask your grandpa, don't ask a friend to carry that cross for you. You carry that cross. 
You carry your backpack. When your kids were younger, some of your kids are like mine, and you went on vacation, and when you did that, you, you had them carry. Uh, um, we had our little, little adorable little suitcases that you couldn't even, you had to cram to get a little pillow into it, right? Or you might get a pair of jeans into it. But they would drag that thing behind them. Huh? And I'm like, oh yeah, you're, you're, I got it. You guys come, just bring that suitcase. Um, I'm actually carrying the stuff, but we're teaching them to carry their own load. When they get out of the car and your car is, some of y'all, you know what I'm talking about when I say when I get out of the car, you're like, um, uh, let's make sure we kick the stuff away from the door so we open the door, the stuff don't fall out. When they get out of the car, everybody should have two hands full of something because they're learning to carry their own load. Grab two things and then just make sure they're not bringing three things back when they get back in the car, right? But everybody should carry their own load. It's kind of part of parenting. It's part of what we do. You should carry your own load. The problem is um, we, we, uh, we act as if other people's backpacks are boulders, and what we're doing is we're letting them invade our property with their stuff that we're not intended to carry, and we get triggered. Oh, no. Really? Well, let's talk about it. Maybe a better answer would be if you know that this is a backpack situation and this ain't a boulder situation because you're setting yourself up for trigger. If it's a backpack situation and you're making it into a boulder situation because you got an S tattooed on your chest and you want to be Superman or Savior Man to everybody around you, there's already been a Savior, right? And so you, you pick up the phone and, and you're, oh, that, that must be tough. You know what? I'm going to be praying for you and I know you, I know you got this. I know you can handle this. There is nothing you can't do with the help of God. Have a great day. <laughs> Bye-bye, right? Because you don't want to carry somebody else's backpack. You're going to be weighed down in your life. And so the key to healthy boundaries is that property lines need to be strong enough to keep out danger, but they need to be permeable enough to let people pass, pass through. And if your boundaries are healthy, I'll say this in conclusion, you're going to react much less to your triggers and you'll respond with love. Sometimes that love's gonna be tough love, but you're gonna respond with love in a godly way and you're gonna quit taking it personally. Now it doesn't end with a, uh, this is like the introduction to the whole teaching. It doesn't end with that. If you want help with this, you really do think that you might want help with this and you want us to help hold you accountable to that, I cannot make any promises. But if you are interested in, in finding out more information about how how to overcome and how to have healthy boundaries, put it down on a connect card. Take it back there before you leave. Just put your name on it, phone number, email, whatever on it, and just, I want help with boundaries. Because you know what's gonna happen is if we offer something whenever, months from now, you're gonna remove yourself from that because you're gonna be like, oh, I'm okay. When you're not okay, and we wanna help you become okay. Father, thank you for this time together. What a great seven weeks. I've learned so much. I've been challenged. I've been challenged. And I thank you, God, that you are um, a friend that sticks closer than a brother, that even in the midst of all of our failures, all of our, all of our attempts and reattempts and reattempts and reattempts to reattempt, you've been with us and you're never gonna leave us. You're never gonna forsake us. Your plan for us is greater than we can even think, ask, or imagine. So today, God, at the con conclusion of this, this uh, series, I ask, Lord God, that you would be with us and help us to de decipher. Do we need to take the next step or have we, have we become equipped enough that we can... We can be healthier in reaction, in response, I should say, to our triggers. So, Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would lead, lead us and guide us in, into all truth and all righteousness. Help us, Lord, with this. We give you praise for that. 
in the powerful, awesome, anointed name of Jesus Christ, who was not triggered. If you agree, say amen. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you rest and may he give you peace. I hope you have a great Sunday and next Sunday is gonna be a miracle Sunday. You're, gonna, you're not gonna wanna miss next Sunday. I can't even begin to tell you what it's gonna be like, but you're, you're, gonna, uh, you're, you're gonna hear other people talking about it if you miss it next week. So be here on November 18th. It's gonna be powerful. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Amen. Amen.